Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 208. Hi, how are ya? What's going on? What is going on in your world, in your life, in your health, in your training? Ah, it's Wednesday. It's podcast day. Uh, what's going on? Okay, let's let's kind of do a whiz around my world and then we'll dive into today's podcast topic, uh, which is kind of a part two. We're going to talk about how we can support ourselves during times of stress, part two, coming at it from a little bit of a different angle uh, based on a couple of questions that I was asked uh, last week or the week before. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about stress. We're going to talk about how we can support ourselves during times of stress, but more so we're going to look at it from a coach's perspective. So I will dish out the questions to you and then we've got a whole journey that we're going to go on together today. But before that, let's let's take a tour of the world. Uh, <laughs> I've got lots of energy. I think it's just because we got back from the track uh, and I did a sprint session. I thought I'd just talk a little bit about my training right now. Uh, because I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it. Uh, I love to train. You know, it is, and I've spoken about this before, it will be one of my greatest love affairs in my life, in this life. Uh, I just love it. But there have been times over the last decade, 12, 13, 14 years, uh, since I've had a solid training practice that I haven't loved it or I haven't liked it. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's kind of like what Carsten and I say to each other sometimes. We always love each other, but sometimes we don't like each other. <laughs> and I think that's how I feel about training sometimes. I love training, but sometimes I don't like it. And there's definitely been times where I've lost my rhythm, uh, my joy, my motivation for it. And so at the start of this year, my hip flared up again, uh, which I've spoken about before. I won't go into too much detail here, but basically they couldn't find anything. Uh, I've had x-rays and ultrasounds and MRIs and nada, absolutely nothing came out of it and it's a bit of a weird presentation which is my body has always presented a little bit oddly when it comes to um, kind of chronic uh, conditions <laughs> body conditions pain or injuries uh, so it's probably coming from my back when I aggravate uh, f my facet joint like L4 facet joint and it's just doing this really weird referral um, pain presentation. Anyway, so at the start of this year, my hip was really bugging me. Uh, when it flares up, it's pretty debilitating, uh, even though, you know, I'm, I'm strong. I've got great mobility. I've got a really good management plan. Uh, I've got a really good grasp now on kind of what um, flares it and how to manage it really well. But at the start of this year, she was mad. She was really mad. Uh, and for those of you who have experienced injuries or pain or discomfort or like chronic, um, you know, ongoing uh, pain, it's not fun when the body's mad. Uh, and I've spoken about this many times on uh, the podcast before. <laughs> and then, you know, I was, I was training, I was strength training. And I think I remember one session I was squatting. I was squatting pretty heavy, but I just felt slow. I just, I've always had to work really hard for my strength. Uh, I remember when I was lifting, you know, I was never the strongest girl. Uh, one, I was the, you know, the smallest girl uh, in my weight class. 
And that's really hard when you're competing against uh, other females that are kind of at the top of the weight class and, you know, are much bigger than you. And when I say bigger, you know, bigger in height, uh, muscle mass, uh, weight, which is body composition, mostly muscle mass uh, when, you know, we're looking at um, strength training, uh, Olympic weightlifting, not always, but I always really, like I've just had to work really hard. (laughs) It's so funny when I talk to my warriors and they get really frustrated that it's taking a really long time to get where they want to go or to get a certain skill or lift a certain weight, I'll often remind them that, you know, I've been working at this for like 14 years and I've been working on some things for like a decade and I'm still not there. You know, I'm still not, uh, and that's not for lack of trying, not for lack of good programming, uh, good recovery. You know, I, I've been doing this for a really long time. I've worked with amazing coaches, I am one of the hardest workers in the room, but it just takes a really long time to get really strong. And to the deeper you get into the journey, uh, the smaller the increments in (laughs) results. I remember when I was Olympic weightlifting, hearing a story about uh, one of the top Chinese weightlifters. And it took him, I think it was four years to put a kilo on his snatch. Now, this guy was snatching, you know, nearly 200 kilos. And he was probably like 84 kilo body weight class, maybe even um, a little bit lower. But he was like at the top. And so the, the deeper you get in... <laughs> the longer it takes. Uh, so I just remember I was squatting one day and it just felt heavy and I just felt so slow. Now, of course, there's sessions where you rock up and you feel great and the bar feel feels like it moves really well, the weight moves well, and you just feel like a badass. The session feels easy. You've got rhythm, you've got flow. Uh, but there are times you turn <laughs> up to training and you kind of get your butt kicked and you just feel slow you've got no power uh you know the barbell kind of kicks your ass and so I wasn't really having one of those days but it just I just felt slow and I felt like this for a while now just slow uh unfit not fast and so on that day I decided okay this summer, I am going to change my training. I'm going to change my approach. And I really want to focus on power and speed and my cardiovascular fitness. I want to be the fastest, fittest, lightest, uh, also still strongest (laughs) uh, version of me. You know, I turned 36 at the start of uh, July And I was like, you know what? I just, I want to be faster. I want to be able to produce more power. I want to, I want to feel lighter and fitter. When I was Olympic weightlifting, I used to jump and sprint and run and lift weights fast a lot. Uh, One, because I used to do Olympic weightlifting six days a week. So the clean and jerk and the snatch are power moves. Uh, They're lifting the weight very fast. (laughs) Uh, And so I used to train really differently to how I train now. And it's not good or bad. It's we'll go through these periods uh, in our training life where we can really focus and specialize in a particular area. Then we kind of come out of that and generalize. Uh, But I have just been really focusing on gymnastic strength training, body weight strength training, and then lifting heavy weights for the last, uh, you know, I guess since I kind of retired from Olympic weightlifting. And so I've had, I had enough. I was like, you know what? I'm going to run and sprint and jump and do uh, hit work. And I'm not really going to lift uh, lots of heavy weights, even though when I do my strength training sessions, I am lifting heavy, but it's not the bulk of my training. So we just got back from the track uh, and I was working on sprints. Now I have no idea what I'm doing, 
I sprinted in primary school and high school. I did 100 meters and I was in the 100 meter relay. And I guess I was okay. Like I was pretty good. Uh, But I've had like no coaching on it, no training. So I'm going to try and take myself as far as I can (laughs) with, you know, just feeling it out, uh, coaching myself on what I kind of know around running and prepping and warming up. And so I'm at the track a lot, which is so fun because it's so delicious here in summer. Uh, I just really love training outside. So we've been going there at least two or three times a week and doing some form of Uh, The other day, it was Carson's birthday, and he wanted to do kind of like a WOD, which is workout of the day, comes from CrossFit. (laughs) Now, I did CrossFit for a while. So after I rehabbed my back in 2012, I started to get into Olympic weightlifting, but then I also joined uh, CrossFit St. Kilda's comp squad for competition for CrossFit. And I did that for a while. Uh, And (laughs) I hated it. It was really hard. Also, I just couldn't balance it well enough with my Olympic weightlifting. So I chose Olympic weightlifting. Uh, (laughs) But the other day when we were doing this, uh, this workout or this WOD, this CrossFit style, you know, where we did a bunch of movements and then I did 400 meter run and come back and did a bunch of movements and a 400 meter run. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, it was really challenging and my heart rate was like (laughs) in the 180s uh, and I was struggling, but it was, it was fun. It was fun to be outside. It was fun to do something different and it's really in alignment with my goal right now for myself, which is faster, fitter, lighter. And when I say lighter, I don't mean body weight lighter. You know, my body composition's pretty much been the same for well over a decade, I don't change. You know, I popped on a a skirt that I bought when I first moved to Melbourne in 2009 and it fits me exactly the same. Uh, And yeah, I've changed like my leg muscles and my butt muscles have gotten a lot bigger. My arms, my back and my shoulders are bigger. But, you know, the midsection of me has really remained the same. Uh, And so when I say lighter, I don't mean body weight lighter. I mean feeling light. You know that feeling of lightness, of ease when you go to do something? We were on our live coaching call yesterday and I asked them, my warriors, to share a win. And Kelsey, uh, I've been working for Kelsey for over two years now. And when we had our first conversation, she said to me, I want to be able to get up on the wakeboard and just feel strong and powerful and graceful and for it to feel to do it with ease and she was on the call yesterday and she said that she had probably her best wakeboarding session ride experience I'm not sure how you talk about that in wakeboarding terms uh on the on the river on the weekend she got up with ease she felt strong and capable and her family and friends said wow that's like the best you've ever wakeboarded She's like, because I feel strong, I feel capable. Uh, And then Leah, who's a photographer, she said that she had to do a a photo shoot at the beach. And she remembers last year doing a similar shoot at the same location and kind of trudging along and being out of breath and carrying all her gear down and just feeling like not fit and not strong. And she did the same shoot, uh, couple of weekends ago and the the father of the I guess the bride or whoever was having their um, photograph taken he was really struggling and he was out of breath because you have to walk a long way from the car all the way down to you know the location on the beach and she was like oh wow like I'm not out of breath I'm not struggling like I'm carrying all this camera gear and I'm carrying myself all the way down the beach and you know how hard it is to walk in sand like it's really hard to walk in sand and she just did it with ease and so it got me thinking about this kind of idea of 
we've got to earn the ease. And this came up in my conversation with Libby when we were talking about a balanced exercise program. And I think Lib even said it, earn the ease. We have this idea that things, you know, shouldn't be hard. They shouldn't feel hard, but they should. (laughs) And so when it comes to, you know, myself, when I'm thinking about my training, I know that jumping and sprinting and running and doing conditioning workouts is going to kick my butt. It's going to be really hard. It ain't going to be easy because I haven't trained it. Uh, I'm not fit. I'm not fast. (laughs) I don't feel light. And so I have to earn the ease of that. And the only way we can earn the ease of things is by showing up and doing the work, practicing it. And that's what I kind of want to invite you to think about. You know, is there something that you potentially want to do, but you have you know, and we're going to talk about this. I've got a podcast episode coming up where I'm going to chat about um, all or nothing thinking, like all or nothing mindset and this idea of, you know, building resilience. So I'll reference this and we'll work through some stuff on that podcast episode. But I just want to know, is there something that you potentially want to do, but you are afraid because it's going to be hard? Like it's not going to be easy and you really wish it was just going to be a bit easier often. And this is, we talked about this on the live coaching call yesterday. I said to them, you know, think back to how your training felt a year ago or two years ago, how hard it felt. And it does at the start, if you haven't trained for a long time, you've had time off for a long time, or you've never actually learned how to actually train properly, or you have low energy, or you're coming back from an injury, uh, it feels hard. It is going to be really hard. And this is something Kitty and I actually talk about on our podcast episode that we did together that will be out in a few weeks. And Lib talks about this all the time. You know, where did we get this idea of it should be easy? And so think about something you maybe want to do in your life that's scary, uh, that you wish would be easier. And I really want you to, I want you to walk into that and I want you to do it but I want you to carry this motto with you of I've got to earn the ease I've got to earn the ease of this thing I've got to earn the ease to run 400 meters I've got to earn the ease to jump and feel more bouncy and lighter (laughs) and uh, I've got to earn the ease you know x y and z whatever it is that you want to do It's not going to be easy at the start, but we earn that by showing up, doing the work, putting the practice in. Uh, This has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but I really just wanted to talk a little bit about my training. I've been asked a couple of questions about it, uh, and I'll probably do a deeper podcast conversation on it uh, and just share with you... uh, you know, how I kind of, my intention at the start of summer, how I've kind of planned it out, what I've been doing, what I've learned, changes in my data that I've noticed. Um, So I'll do a whole podcast episode on that. But today we're going to talk about stress because I was asked a question uh, from one of my warriors who is also a coach she flicked me an email and she asked me a couple of questions after she, after she listened to uh, episode, I think it was 205 on how can I support myself during times of stress. And so I'm going to read out the questions that she asked me and then we're going to talk about it. And you don't have to be a coach to get what you need out of these this podcast episode, this will be helpful, even if you're not a coach, but you kind of are because you have got to learn how to coach yourself. And really, that's kind of one of my missions with Warrior School is I lead women and so then they can become powerful leaders for for themselves and others in their lives. Uh, And so, you know, after you've been led by someone 
for a period of time, you then start to really learn how to become a great leader of self. And I think that's really powerful. And so let's let's get into it because I've already given you a massive, massive intro. Okay, here's what she asked. As a coach, how do you lead your clients when they feel they don't have the capacity to change their energy leaks? i.e. relationships, kids, work, finances, as in they can't see a way out of their stress. The second question, what if you can see that a client is stressed, but they won't acknowledge it or adapt? Would it be asking them about their food, sleep, etc. to get them to dig deeper? Okay, so there are two questions. All right, so let's tackle the second question first because because I think that sometimes we like to live in denial or we get really good at pretending that we aren't actually stressed. So we're going to tackle the second question. So the second question was, what if you are what if you like as the coach Uh, can see that a client is stressed but won't acknowledge it or adapt. And then she's asking, like, what would you do um, to support them or help them? So would you ask them about their food, their sleep, to get them to dig a little bit deeper? So if you aren't a coach, remember, uh, you know, we we could role play this for other people in your life or potentially you're listening and maybe you are stressed but you actually won't acknowledge it or you won't adapt. Um, so you won't make changes. So let's let's go. <laughs> All right. So I talked about what is stress in the first episode, uh, in episode 205. So if you want to go back, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. Uh, So I'm not going to dive into the definition of stress, but basically it is uh, when we perceive something um, or the demand being placed on us is more than uh, our resources or our capacity to manage that stress. And so she used the language energy leaks because we use that a lot inside of Warrior School. Uh, And I also spoke about the red umbrella analogy. So if you haven't listened to 205, yeah, whack that in your ears because I do talk about the red umbrella analogy. Um, I talk about stress, which will give you an insight into what we mean by uh, stress leaks. So then the the second thing I want to chat about before I kind of dive deeper into answering her question is this, this idea of, well, what is health? <laughs> Wow, that's a big question for a Wednesday um, podcast episode, isn't it? What is health? Uh, of course, I went to Google. I wanted to know what the Google said about health. Uh, so they say the state of being free from illness or injury or a person's mental or physical condition. And then WHO, which is World Health Organization, they state health as a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease, Uh, which I, I like that a little better because I think health is so much more than just being free, excuse me, free from illness or or injury. Uh, (laughs) So the thing that I like about who they pull in this idea of health um, encompassing physical, mental, social, which, you know, emotional well-being uh, and yes, being free of disease and injury. And so when we're thinking about health, there are those, I guess, three or four things. So there's the physical, the emotional, and mental, social. Now, 
I I ain't an expert in mental health, I'm not a psychologist, uh, so I'm not going to speak to the mental, emotional side of it. But for me, what when I think about health uh, and well-being, I think about being happy, having purpose, joy, uh, social connections, uh, you know, being in relationship with people doing work that you love, you know, having purpose, having a mission. Uh, but I, I ain't going to touch on the mental, emotional side of things. I'm going to touch on the physical side of things because that's the bulk of my work. And so when we're talking about health, like what is health? Because I think it can be really hard for people when we're talking about stress People get very used to feeling that way. So often we don't maybe know that we are actually stressed because that's the norm for us. Uh, And so when we start working with someone, one of our roles as a coach, especially if you, you know, really work with them in the physical space is helping them learn and understand, well, what is health? Like what is health from like a physiological perspective, like a a functioning body perspective? So we talk all of of the time about biomarkers. So we've got this biofeedback in our body and these biomarkers are a sign of health. They're a sign that the body is functioning well functioning functioning optimally now the way that I like to look at it is if we've got lots of green ticks that's a sign that you know the nervous system is strong that red umbrella is strong you know all of our prongs are working uh, our biofeedback is strong if we've got a lot of orange or red crosses uh, we've got a lot of signs and symptoms uh that's a sign that the body is stressed uh, from a physiological point of view. So let's just run through them. I've spoken about them loads on the podcast before, but sleep. So um, quality of sleep. Are you waking during the night? Do you have trouble getting to sleep? Uh, Appetite. Do you wake up hungry? Do you get hungry every three or four hours? Uh, mood how's your mood across the day how's your energy Uh, your cycle so does your menstrual cycle arrive regularly on time and mostly without symptoms your temp and pulse so waking temp and pulse and then temp and pulse readings after training can also help it help you determine uh, if you know if the body is stressed or it's tolerating that stress Uh, digestion and bowels sex drive So all of these things are biofeedback, biobiology, physiology, feedback. And essentially, when we've got strong biofeedback, when we can, you know, when the body can tolerate stress, is more resilient, more robust, when our metabolism is strong, which means, you know, from a cellular energy perspective, we can get, you know, energy into our cells, we've got good strong mitochondria if we've got strong biofeedback we know that the body is functioning well it's functionally functioning optimally Uh, then we would add this other these other pieces in which is the mental emotional social um, well-being or you know the other side of the the health piece On the live coaching call the other day, I asked my warriors, what stress feels like to you? So if we come back to um, my warriors question, what if you can see that a client is stressed, but they won't acknowledge it or adapt? So what would you do? What would you be asking them? So if we can't see that we're stressed or if a client can't see that they're stressed, How can we help them? How can we support them? We can ask questions. So we can ask them questions like this warrior uh, put in her her question, which is, do I ask them about their food or their sleep? You can ask them about their biofeedback. 
So when I have a discovery call with a woman who has applied for warrior school, one of the things that we talk about is her physiology, is her biofeedback. I want to get a good sense of where she's at. You know, can she generate energy? Can she use energy? Is the body stressed? Is her nervous system stressed? How's her metabolism? If there's a lot of red crosses, one, potentially she's not the right fit for warrior school and she needs some more support from other people like Leela Lutz or Jessica Ash or the Real Food Gangsters. You know, she needs to learn about nourishment and getting a stronger metabolism, getting her body to be able to use and and generate and regulate energy better and manage her blood sugar, regulate her hormones. And so that it's a really big part of that call because we need to know as coaches, okay, well, is it the right time for me to work with this this woman? Or if we're going to work together, where do I start? You know, where is where do we start with the plan or the strategy or the approach? Because even if the client's like, nope, I'm not stressed, like I just want to train, I'm good to go. Uh, but we ask them questions and we're getting a lot of red flags. We can use that um, to help educate them, uh, to help them understand that, you know, the, their physiology or their biomarkers are a sign of uh, like health how well the body is functioning and if they do have a lot of red flags well then the work is in really helping them or supporting them in strengthening their nervous system their metabolism turning those red crosses into green ticks Uh, so on the live coaching call I asked my warriors what does stress feel like to you what does it feel like Where do you feel it? If you want, you can also write these down. They're cool questions to go through. So what stress feel like to you? What happens when you're stressed? And then the last one is, what do you find hard when it comes to modifying your training or your plans um, or your life during times of stress? So what does stress feel like to you? What happens when you're stressed? And what do you find hard when it comes to modifying your training plans or life during times of stress? I'm still here. (laughs) I'm just waiting for you to maybe pop them in a notebook or in the notes section of your phone. Uh, and yeah, maybe sit down and just spend some time thinking about those questions. The next part that we really want to look at is, okay, well, we have different stress conditions. So we have things like sickness, injury, you know, illness. We have, like my warrior said in the question, um, her first question that, you know, we've got family or relationships, financial travel, seasonal, menstrual cycle. We've got all of these different stress conditions. Now, some of us might perceive um, a certain condition more stressful than others. And so it is a lot about perception or feeling like you're resourced and you have the tools and the capacity to manage that stress. And we're going to talk about that in a second. So she wanted to know what if the person won't acknowledge or adapt to it? So let's actually break that down a little bit. When we look at the word acknowledge, what that really means is awareness, accepting, receiving a consciousness. So there's like a stream of consciousness to that stress. Um, You know, we're bringing our attention to it, our awareness to it. There's an acceptance. There's this receiving. Adaptation is this ableness or willingness to change in order to suit different conditions. And I think understanding the definitions can be really helpful, especially as coaches, because if a person won't acknowledge it, 
so I think there's a few things that I, I want to break down here. So the, the problem could be a disconnection problem. So one, they aren't actually aware that they are stressed. So there's no consciousness to it. And humans get really good at um, <clears throat> armoring up, shield, shielding, um, creating a disconnection between their body and their mind. And so I often talk about this, you know, it's we have a big disconnection problem. Most women are disconnected from their bodies. So we think it's a weight problem, but it's a disconnection problem. So if the person won't acknowledge it, it's often because it's a disconnection problem. They are so disconnected from their body that they don't know that they're actually stressed Uh, or The second part to it is that they aren't able to, maybe they acknowledge that they are stressed, but they won't adapt to it or they actually can't. They're not able to adapt because they don't have the awareness maybe. So they, you know, if you don't have the awareness, uh, it's really hard to make change Maybe they don't have the skill or the tools or the resources to adapt. Because if we think of the definition of adaption or adapting, it's able or willing. So able. Is that person able to actually adapt? Do they have the skills, the tools and the resources? Do they know how to do it? Or the third one is... They aren't willing to change in order to support themselves or suit um, these different conditions. So they don't want to make the change to their behavior or their life uh, because for a myriad of reasons, maybe (laughs) they don't have time. They, you know, it's it feels too hard. Um, So those are the, the, the three I think that come up is if a person won't acknowledge it, often it's a disconnection problem. So then we can start to help them or support them by creating connection. Now, the way that we create connection, well, my favorite way to create connection, yes, is through education and helping them understand, you know, their physiology and their metabolism and signs of health and their biofeedback. But it's also through training. Uh, You know, training creates connection to the body, especially if you slow down and you come into the body, we start to create this connection. Uh, Then the second one, as I said, maybe they aren't able to actually adapt because they don't have the skills or the tools or the resources. So then our role as a coach is to actually, um, and if you're listening and yeah, you're like, yes, actually, like I'm, I acknowledge that I'm stressed um, and I have this awareness and I accept that I am, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to adapt, you know, without actually chucking out my whole life, which we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, and so it could just be a gap in knowledge, a gap in skills, tools or resources, which is why it's so powerful to work with a coach. Uh, and then the last one, yeah, potentially some people aren't willing to change. They want to ignore it. <laughs> they like to turn, you know, turn their back and avoid. Uh, a lot of us just like to run away from the discomfort. So we'll stop doing the thing. Uh, and so sometimes we just have to be okay as coaches that that person is not ready yet. And they don't want to change. They don't want to change their behavior. They don't want to change their life. Uh So your role as a coach really is to help them acknowledge it through looking at like what is actually health versus maybe their perception. Then lead them on how to actually adapt by helping them connect and modify their plans or their life or their strategy uh, so they can manage their stress a lot better. Then the second question uh, was, so I'm just going to repeat it again. So as a coach, how do you lead your clients when they feel they don't have the capacity to change their energy leaks 
i.e. relationships, kids, work, finances, as in they can't see a way out of their stress. Hands up if there has been times uh, where you haven't been able to see a way out of your stress. Or maybe you feel like that right now, that you feel stuck. And you know what? Stuckness sucks. Sucks. It's annoying. But... Yes, we can feel stuck, uh, but there is a way out. Maybe we can't see it. (laughs) Often we can't uh, when we're in it. You know, when we're in that black hole, it's black and dark and holy and uh, not fun. And we can't see a way out. And often we need other people to help lead us or help, help us see a way out of that again That's the importance of having a coach or people at your table, a mentor, is that they can help you see a way out of their, of your stress, of the situation. Now, I think why we feel the frustration, where we do feel frustration is maybe we want out now. We want to be out of discomfort now, out of pain now. We want to plug the leak right now. We want to fix the relationship right now. We want to fix the finances right now. But often these things take time and energy, the two hottest resources, uh, to do that. So the feeling of the stuckness, the overwhelm, the frustration, you know, often comes from, yes, we can't see a way out, uh, But we also want it to happen now. And really it becomes an, it's an energy problem. The more energy we have, uh, the more capacity, the more bandwidth, the more resilience. And often we can't see a way out because we're running on the low fuel light. We don't have any energy. Um, If we feel like, we, we don't have the capacity to change. Capacity is normally an energy problem. Okay, let's, let's dig deep on that. Energy builds capacity. Energy builds resilience. And we want to build resilience. We want to build confidence, uh, And in order for us to build resilience and build confidence and in order for us to see a way out, we really need an ability to overcome adversity. So that's essentially what maybe the client or what you're experiencing is adversity, a problem, a challenge, um, a challenging relationship, uh, a challenging time with your your children, a challenging time at work, uh, with your finances, that's adversity. And it's almost like when you go into a gym for the first time or you go into a weight room and you see all of those really heavy weights and people lifting, you know, or squatting like heavy, heavy weights. And you're like, wow, like those are going to be really heavy to lift. Uh, and maybe you think, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. But the more you work out, uh, the heavier weight you can do, the more resilient you get, the bigger the goals that you can accomplish. And this is why I love training. And if you've had a training practice for a while, you know, it's really easy to pull on this as an example and really use it in any other area of your life. So any other energy leak or relationship, your work, finances, that, you know, when you step up to the bar or when you're starting to learn how to lift, you know, it feels like you don't have the capacity to do it. Uh, But the more you do it, the more resilient you get. Yeah, the stronger the body gets. Uh, And then the bigger the goals that you can accomplish, you start to lift heavier and heavier weights. Adversity is a good part of it. So we've got to actually go through the struggling and the learning and the failing 
and the adversity of learning how to lift properly and how to train hard. Uh, and that's good. We want that. Like we want adversity. One of the things I said on the live coaching call yesterday was that, you know, when we, when we feel resistance, uh, I've actually a really great book to read is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Now he's an author, he's a writer. And even if you're not a writer, you're not a creative, it's still an amazing book because the biggest thing he talks about is this idea of resistance. We feel resistance and the resistance will stop us from doing the work. The resistance will stop us from taking action. The resistance will stop us from stepping into the gym uh, for applying to that coaching program, uh, asking that person out on a date, um, asking that person for a divorce, uh, you know, asking for some help when it comes to the work problem or the finances. The resistance is what stops us. And he talks about how to overcome that resistance. But one of the kind of his mantras that he has is that if he feels resistance, he knows that he's on the right track. The resistance is kind of like the North Star. It's the thing that, you know, it got, it does lead us. She leads us. And there's been times, you know, I've, I've, when I read that book and I thought about all of these key moments in my life where I felt so much resistance and self-doubt. Uh, and at the time, I didn't really know, like, yes, like, okay, run into that <laughs> because that's like she's leading you in the right direction. Now I know from doing it so many times, kind of retrospectively, which is a beautiful thing in life and being an adult and aging is that you get the wisdom and you get that retrospection. <laughs> but, you know, when I thought about changing my training and doing all of this hard cardiovascular stuff and running and sprinting and doing this stuff that I'm not good at, I felt loads of resistance. And I knew, I just knew I was on the right track. I knew that that was like the thing that I had to do. But when we go into that, we're going to face adversity. Yeah, we can't run away from it. We actually got to run towards it. It means moving towards and using adversity to make yourself stronger. So the thing that you don't want to do, the thing you have a lot of resistance to, <laughs> changing the relationship, changing the dynamic with the children, you know, changing the, the work or the finances, uh, these energy leaks or these problems or challenges that you feel a lot of resistance to, they're calling you because you've got to move into them and you've got to do the work in them to plug the leaks over time. So when you look at adversity and you know that you won't give up on yourself, that's when you start to trust yourself. Uh, and this is another really big thing that I see. We have a disconnection problem and we have a trust problem. <laughs> So we have to listen to the resistance. Uh, we have to move into it. We have to work through the adversity. And then we're going to actually start to trust ourselves. And we don't see adversity as a reason to quit. You know, we don't see adversity as suffering. We see it as an opportunity. It's kind of like a, a teacher, and we know that, okay, yes, we're in the right work. You know, we're in the right class right now <laughs> with where we are in our life. And when you see it as like that class or that teacher and you see that you can trust yourself to overcome it, you kind of develop this attitude of, okay, whatever comes my way, I'm going to overcome it. Whatever challenge or obstacle or hard thing, I'm going to get myself ready for it. And I'm going to be able to move through it. I'll be, I'll be ready and I can overcome that challenge because I'm okay with the resistance. I'm okay moving into the resistance. I'm okay with adversity and doing hard things. And I've done it and I'm going to keep doing it because I'm going to keep building that trust. Uh, so I've, I often have these conversations with my warriors that, you know, bad things are going to happen in life. 
we're going to have tragedies and horrible things happen and sad things and challenges are going to come up and things we couldn't anticipate or plan. But if we've built up our capacity, uh, our resilience, our bandwidth, our energy, we, you know, this is a really big thing that I actually saw during the pandemic. Uh, It was so hard for so many people because they actually didn't have their nervous system, didn't have the resiliency, the bandwidth, the capacity, the tolerance to hold that global crisis, pandemic, trauma, whatever you want to call it. Uh, And so you've got to think of your nervous system as like this, you know, this big bowl. And a lot of people just had this tiny little Petri dish (laughs) of a nervous system. And we've got to create a big bowl to hold all the things that life is going to give us. Um, So often with my women, one of the things that we talk about is how important it is to build up tools and skills, to build up our bowl, to cope with adversity, Um, and to be able to cope with hard things and challenges, um, to be able to cope with stress. So how do we build more capacity, more resilience, more tolerance, We need to look at our energy. The first step for me is always looking at the energy, at the foundation. Am I eating enough? Am I sleeping my optimal amount? Am I getting sunlight? Am I moving my body? Am I training? We need to get more energy in. It's really hard to do life. (laughs) It's really hard to see a way out to manage our leaks, to change our relationships, our uh, career, our work situation, our financial situation, if we don't have any energy. We need energy. Remember, energy gives you power, power in presence, power in awareness, in attention, power to make choices, It will give you power in your relationships, in your work, in your financial situation. Energy is power. So we need to get more energy in. That's the first place that I start. If someone feels like they don't have the capacity to change their situation, to plug their leaks. And I've spoken about this so many times before, the expectation reality gap. There's a podcast episode on it Uh, recently, I think, taking ownership and responsibility. There's also a full podcast episode on the expectation reality gap. But essentially, we've got expectations of ourselves and then we've got our reality. So this question from one of my warriors, she's, you know, maybe working with people where their reality is really stressful. They are stressed. Now, they don't see a way out of that reality. They feel stuck in it. And to be honest, a lot of people are a little bit stuck because they've dug themselves (laughs) in with, you know, certain financial commitments or buying, you know, a big house or a big expensive car or, you know, whatever the, whatever the reason, or maybe they've taken a risk, you know, within the business or their work and, you know, they're really struggling financially, um, And so sometimes, yes, we can't change our reality right now. You know, we need to show up and go to work so we can pay our bills and support our family and support our children. Uh, But there's things within that, you know, really looking at, okay, well, what are we spending our money on? Who in, in my life can help lead the financial side of things? Who could I ask for advice or support? Remember, we're building our table. So we're not doing it alone. You need a table. You need a board of directors. And if you have a strong table and you have a board of directors, yes, we might not be able to change your reality right now, but those board of directors can help you see that there is a way out. We can actually plug those leaks. We can change your reality over time. Uh, And so my advice would be, okay, 
get yourself a board of directors, build your table out. What seats are missing? Where do you need the support? Ask for the damn support (laughs) as well. Uh, Ask for it. Ask for what you need, what you want. Ask for help. Uh, And so let's just kind of go over that. All right. So her question was, okay, what if you can't see a way out of your reality? So I'm sure a lot of you listening have felt stuck, may feel stuck. You can't see a way out. This is my reality. This is how it's going to be. It kind of sucks. (laughs) It's really stressful. I don't know what to do. The first thing that you can do is you need to build up your resilience, your capacity. So you need to get energy in and that's in your control. What you eat Mostly from most people. Now, I do know that some people, you know, that may be um, in a third world country or uh, at a disadvantage, they might really struggle with this one. But for, for the most part, you know, we, we can control the food. We can get the food into us. We can work on getting enough energy. Or if we don't know how to do that, we get someone on our table that can help us, whether they, you know, we pay them to do that. Uh, if we're, if one of our, you know, leaks isn't finances, it could be something else. Um, or we start educating ourselves. We start reading and asking questions. And, you know, there's so many free resources out there that support you with energy, metabolism, nervous system, that you can start to research and create your own strategy. But that would be my number one is you got to get energy in and energy. Yes, through food, but sleep, sleep is another thing that, okay, not everyone can control, especially if you have little humans, totally get that. Um, But it is, you know, within our control to, you know, mostly then sunlight, you know, everyone can step outside, walk, move their body in some way. Uh, So those are my foundation things. So we get more energy in. Then we need to ask ourselves, okay, where is this thing? So this leak, this relationship, this kid stuff, this work, this finances now, where is it now? And why isn't it working? Why is it stressful? And then we need to ask ourselves, well, what do I want it to be like? How could it be different? What outcome do I want? And where do I need support? I think the hardest part is getting really real with yourself, like being really truthful. And then modifying your life. That's also really hard, uh, but I've spoken about that before. This month inside of Warrior School, we're doing a reset. The idea came from Brooke Castillo and the Life Coach School, uh, and it's a really great time. We're going to do a really big challenge. We're doing Warrior Queen 2.0 in September. Uh, the North, we're going to move out of summer and come into fall, and the South, you're going to move out of winter and come into spring. So I like to do really cool things when we've got these big seasonal shifts or changes happening. So we're doing a reset inside of Warrior School. And the reset is really about giving uh, yourself time to set something again or set something differently. And most of us really need a reset because there are times where we feel really disappointed or depleted or irritated or anxious in a certain area of our life, or we've gone unconscious in that area. So resets really breathe new life into us. Uh, And there are three main reasons why we might need a reset. One, we're currently doing something and it isn't working or feeling good. So we need to try something different. And this could we could link this back to the question that she had of, okay, they can't see a way out, but what they're doing with their relationship or their work or their finances isn't working. So we need to do something different. So first we need to get we need to be aware and acknowledge that. Then we need to get energy in. Then we need to ask ourselves those questions and we need to build out our damn table to get support, to create the change. 
The second reason why we might want to do a reset is we're currently doing something that is working or feeling good, but we're really curious about trying to make it better. So we want to maybe reset it or improve it, set it again differently. Or maybe we've gone unconscious in a certain area of our life and we've stopped doing something that we know works. So we want to bring awareness to it and we want to reset it and bring it back in to our life. So the reason why I'm mentioning this is because the first part or practice one is really about bringing awareness to what we're doing. And so when, you know, when we feel like we don't have the capacity to change a certain area of our life and that's creating a lot of stress for us, we practice one is really about bringing awareness to what we're doing, what's going on for us right now. Why isn't it working? Why is it creating stress? How is the stress showing up for me? Uh, you know, are we doing something that, you know, isn't working? Have we gone slightly unconscious in some kind of area of our life? Do we need to ask for support? You know, what's stopping us from making the change? What we're really doing is like an audit of ourselves, truthfully. And I think that's really important is we've got to do this with compassion and with love. Uh, we can be really hard on ourselves <laughs> as humans. Uh, and often we're actually afraid to tell ourselves the truth. So the truth around why we feel like why the relationship is bad or why our finances are bad or why, you know, we've got work stress, you know, why we have this leak um, or even the truth around why we feel like we don't have the capacity to make the change. So we've got to do it with love uh, because often we're really afraid to tell ourselves the truth because we'll know that we, we'll just beat ourselves up. Um, and I think lastly, to kind of finish out uh, today's conversation, I've been having a lot of conversations with my warriors about fun, <laughs> fun, fun, F-U-N, we just we don't have fun. We don't have enough fun. You know, we grow up and we get really serious and then we have all of these life stresses. Yeah. We've got all of these prongs in our umbrella and responsibilities and we've got family and work and finances and careers and businesses. And, you know, just we've, we forget to have fun. If we really want to really want to, you know, manage our stress one of the things I didn't talk on last uh, last episodes or episode 205 um, around stress, I didn't talk about fun. We've got to do things that um, we've got to do fun things that bring us joy and laughter more often. That is one of the coolest ways that you can support yourself to manage your stress is to have fun and laugh and play do things just for the pure joy of them and not be so serious all of the time. Okay, thanks for those questions, Amy, my delicious warrior. They were great. Hopefully this part two was helpful, uh, not only, you know, as a coach or a teacher or someone that leads others, but hopefully for, for you as the woman that feels like she's on a stress stress cycle carousel roller coaster uh, hopefully there was some stuff in there that you found helpful if you really feel like you need more support with this if you feel like you need support with learning how to get more energy learning more about your biofeedback and your body learning how to connect uh, with your body learning how to manage stress I invite you to come and check out Warrior School. It's so much of the work that I do, especially at the start of a woman's journey. Uh, and then the last part I didn't talk about today, which I've talked about before, is that learning how to confidently modify and progress your plans and your strategies, learning how to modify based on those different stress conditions uh, is such a skill it's such an important skill and that's one of the biggest things that I help women with is okay I'm stressed 
And yes, I'm going to acknowledge it. And I do want to change it because I don't want to live my life like this. You know, I, I want to go into that second life. I want to go into my 40s and my 50s. And I, I don't want to feel like this. And I don't want to be stressed. And I want to have a strong, healthy, functioning body. But I don't know how to change it. Like, I don't know how because I can't change my reality right now. I can't not work or I can't, um, you know, not have my little humans or not be in this relationship right now. And so that's what I really help women do. I help them create a plan and a strategy with their food and their training. I help them manage their minds with their current reality uh, so they can support themselves and manage their stress better. But over time, I definitely help a lot of my women modify their life because there's As I've said before, you know, there's only so many times that we can modify the plan or the training or the food or miss the training or, you know, deal with the stress when we really have to get truthful with ourselves and say, damn, the thing that I need to modify is my life. I've got to modify my life. I've actually got to modify my relationships or my financial situation or my career. Uh, I've got to modify how I'm parenting. You know, I've got to modify my time. That's that's kind of the kicker. <laughs> There's only so many ways that we can modify all of the other stuff for so long. In the end, what we really need to look at and get truthful about is, have I got to modify my life? Okay. That's it for today. Thanks for spending this time with me. Bye for now. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.